Google yourself, don't Google me, and be joyful. That pretty much sums up my rambling so far. All right. Um, so I was listening to Donna, and you know, I know you guys get a lot of joy out of watching Tate when he's usually up here beside me because he's a bit of a ham. And, and for those online who can't see, he is here, but as long as I'm wearing this big... Um, surgical boot, um, it's better that he's not beside me because I don't want to step on him and crush him and crush dog would not be joyful, right? But joy is all around us. Joy is in the, the news that we as, as human beings have, like Lauren's engagement. Um, and can we just clap for that? Is she here too? Yeah. Probably should have made sure she's here today, but yeah, that's a good thing. A minor, minor uh, detail there. Um, and the anticipation of the season, the beautiful job that Steve and Lisa did with the candles, the, the holiday music. I went to a, a, a concert in Indy this week, and um, just it's settling in around us, isn't it? And it is joy. Um, and in that story that, that Chelsea and Daniel read, that the joy of the angels rising up and singing glory, glory, glory. And so what are some synonyms of joy? And I wanted to, uh, again, just bring the English teacher in here and, and just give you a few synonyms of joy. So bliss, cheer, comfort, delight, elation, wonder, exultation, felicity, gladness, jubilance, merriment, and solace. Solace. I loved that one because it's a quieter joy. It is that blending of hope, peace, and joy, all of the Advent themes so far. And as we consider this next passage and this next step toward Bethlehem, we see all of those things and more. And let us now enter into that reflective time with Luke 1, 39 through 45. This comes right after Gabriel told Mary that she would be giving birth to the Son of God. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. This is the word of the Lord. So let's just get a little bit of context here, going back a few weeks then. 
So Elizabeth and Zechariah, remember they were the old couple, had been childless for decades and decades. An angel Gabriel came to Zechariah and said that Elizabeth would be pregnant and that child would grow up to make the way for the coming of the Lord. And so Elizabeth, who had again been childless, unable to conceive, um, was expecting at a very old age. Then the scene shifted to Mary, uh, probably a young teenager, betrothed to Joseph, finding out from Gabriel that she would become pregnant with Christ, that she would give birth to Jesus. And so we come to this context, to this setting and this situation. So Mary only hears one name besides the name of Jesus from Gabriel, and that name is Elizabeth, her distant relative, an old lady. We don't know how much Mary and Elizabeth would have known each other before, but that name is very clearly spoken by Gabriel and given to Mary in the context that here is a confirmation of God's plan and action. Your distant cousin, your relative, Elizabeth, is expecting a child in her sixth month already. And so when Gabriel departs, Mary readily gets set to travel to see Elizabeth. Again, there's no evidence that they were ever close as a family. You know, the transportation was not easy during this time. It was not like we uh, have it now. Um, This destination where Elizabeth lived was about 80 miles away from Mary. And so again, 80 miles, that takes us probably up to Merrillville or something like that. Easy with I-65. There was no I-65. There were no vehicles of that nature. And so this would have been a very firm and committed decision that Mary made, and she makes it instantly. So at that time, she got ready and she departed for the hill country here, 80 miles. Probably she walked. Um, more than likely, she walked. And so this would be a multi-day venture for her to get there. And so, again, very intentional. We do not hear from Mary what her reason was for going. But do not discount the fact that Gabriel gave the specific name of Elizabeth. And so perhaps there was, you know, in Mary's mind, this instant decision not to confirm anything that she doubted, but to maybe connect with somebody who is in this plan, you know, in this, this master layout of this incredible work that God was doing. And maybe Mary, the youngster, knew that she could find solace by visiting Elizabeth. And during this passage that we're looking at today, we hear things from primarily Elizabeth's point of view. Next week, we'll hear from Mary how she felt after hearing from Elizabeth in this visit. But this week is primarily filtering through Elizabeth. But if you can imagine what was flickering through Mary's mind as Elizabeth responded in the way that she did during this passage, there was probably a lot. And a lot of that had to be joy. Because here she had come these many miles, you know, um, not certain of what was going on, probably very overwhelmed. And now she is hearing this warm, welcome, amazed response from Elizabeth. And it had to fill Mary's heart with joy. 
And there's a little bit also about how Elizabeth's baby in her womb still, John, who would become John the Baptist, um, responded when hearing Mary's greeting when she stepped into the house. Remember that Gabriel had told these women um, about the whole plan, how this would all be laid out, and Elizabeth knew herself from the interactions with the, you know, her end of the story that her child would be filled with the Holy Spirit, and he immediately leaps in her womb, and she exclaims in a loud voice, herself filled with the Holy Spirit. So that moment of connection where elderly, pregnant Elizabeth welcomed young, newly pregnant, and absolutely amazed Mary into her home. It's quite the scene. So what can we grab from this? What can we carry forward from this short passage, this one scene in the Christmas story, as it gets closer and closer and closer to the birth of Jesus? Well, one thing we definitely can grab is a lesson on hospitality, a lesson on hospitality. There are people in this congregation who have hospitality down to a science. I think of Joyce and how she coordinates all of the, the, the food events and the after-funeral dinners and all of that, and so many other of you as well. We understand and act on hospitality a lot of the time, But what do we grab even deeper from this passage, particularly from Elizabeth about hospitality? Well, author Michael K. Marsh writes about this when he is reflecting on this passage. And he says, the hospitality Elizabeth offered Mary was more than an open door, a warm welcome, and a place to stay. It was an affirmation of Mary's life. It was a blessing that gave Mary back to herself. So let's think on that a minute. When Elizabeth welcomed Mary so warmly and had hospitality just oozing from her words and certainly from her actions, it was the kind and welcoming and friendly thing to do. But it was more than that. It was what Mary needed. And maybe Mary didn't even know she needed it. But somehow Elizabeth knew. This young teenager traveled so many miles, very possibly by herself, to Elizabeth's door. And she didn't just get a, oh, welcome, I'm glad you're here. She got an, oh, welcome, I'm glad you're here. And then an affirmation that Mary is part of God's plan and that Elizabeth is so glad to have her here and that she is in this story as well. So Mary was not just welcomed into this home. She was welcomed and embraced. She was welcomed and valued. She was welcomed and seen as important, not that Mary needed her pride to swell up, but that Mary needed some direction some reassurance, as Marsh says, some affirmation. And Elizabeth gives that to her. It's as if Elizabeth knew that this young relative, this teenager who just received the news of all news that she could have never prepared for, needed to feel 
that there was still a place for her and a safe place where she would be welcome, not doubted, not questioned, not mocked, not isolated, but welcomed. And Elizabeth does that, and that is the ultimate in hospitality. When we welcome, and we welcome with genuine sincerity, and we welcome not just because we know it is good to be hospitable one to another, but we welcome because we know the recipient of our hospitality needs just that. It's not about us when we show hospitality. It's about the one being welcomed. And Elizabeth conveys that. And I just picture Mary's shoulders, which must have been up here with tension, just sinking down. Because here was a place where she was welcomed. What does hospitality look like for us? What can we do on a daily basis to show hospitality warmth and welcome to each other, to others beyond our immediate circles. How can we be Elizabeth in that moment to not just welcome because it's the right thing to do, but welcome because others need our welcome? The lesson of hospitality is big and beautiful in this passage. The second lesson we grab from this passage is the lesson of faith the lesson of faith. And it is in this passage so many places in so many shapes. In the women themselves, we see it. Okay, so here's Elizabeth, again, reeling back to her story. Her whole life lived without children. And then her husband is told that they will have a baby. And when he came back to her, and shared that. We don't get that moment when Zechariah says to Elizabeth, we're going to have a baby. Um, maybe it's going to be due around your 95th birthday. You know, we, I'm making that up. We don't know. We don't know what he said. We don't know how she responded, but she becomes pregnant. And to have the faith to trust her God that this is going to happen and that not only is this going to happen, but the baby that she will deliver has a special place in preparing the way for the Lord. She trusts that. And here she is now in her sixth month of pregnancy. Mama's out there and grandma's out there. Do you remember month six? So I've not had a child, um, but I've been around uh, women who are pregnant. And six is you know, showing plentifully and not yet totally close to the, that finish line, but, but feeling both the exultation, the joy of the oncoming birth of this child, but also the, a little bit of the worry and the wondering, how's this going to go? And certainly the physical discomfort as that baby continues to grow. And then on top of that, we have the age of Elizabeth, and yet she remains faithful. She trusts that God is using this situation through her and in her. Faith, so clear. And then Mary. Mary just got the news from Angel Gabriel that she was going to have the child of God. And she is not of an age to have any experience with this. She is betrothed to Joseph, 
So she's not even in a, in a sense where she has um, consummated a marriage yet, and yet she receives and believes. And when she rushes off to Elizabeth, maybe in that moment she's being a, a bit human, which she still is. Remember, she didn't receive this honor because she earned it. She received this opportunity to have Jesus as her son because God chose it to be that way, not because she did anything good enough to be in this position, but she rushes off for a little bit of human comfort. And when she sees, oh my word, my elderly relative is indeed pregnant and she is speaking to me these words of reassurance and reverence and awe and praise, she herself does not express any doubt. She doesn't run off to the corner and is like, what is happening? She receives, and she shows faith. And the faith completely evident in this entire scene does not just stop with the belief in this wonderful God, our Father. Please notice this and hold on to it this Christmas season. The faith of Elizabeth and the faith of Mary takes the step of action. Action for Mary that she comes to Elizabeth. Action for Elizabeth that she welcomes Mary and she proclaims not just that she's in wonder for being chosen to receive Mary here, but my friends, that ending part, so big and clear, the last part of that verse, you are chosen and honored among women and wonderful glory, 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 like those snow angels in the story, that you have chosen to believe that God's promises to you are true. It's an uplift of Mary. It is faith, not just the believing, but the action, the words here, and Mary needed to hear that. And Elizabeth knew. Do you see that Elizabeth knew that Mary was to carry the Son of God even before Mary spoke those words? Don't overlook that part. Elizabeth hears Mary's greeting. She feels the baby leap in her womb, and she proclaims God's plan. She knew. And in sharing this knowledge about Mary carrying the Son of God, she shows faith, and she shows Mary that faith is action, and it's all so good and joyful. How do we trust those nudges where the faith that we so profoundly carry takes us forward to an action, where the faith in our heart translates to action outward, to hospitality like we've already talked about, but to being aware of what others need in order to grow and firm up their own faith. This passage shows, it what, shows us what faith in action looks like. Praise God for that. And the third lesson we can grab from this passage is learning about blessing. Learning about blessing. There is here in Elizabeth's welcome, her open door, her warmth, hospitality. 
And yet there is also blessing. Blessing here being defined as that outreach that lifts up others. The words, the thoughts, the deeds that show each other, all of us, one to another, that we love and that we are God's children and that we are not going to live just inside ourselves, but we are going to reach out because that is our honor and privilege as children of God. Author Henry Nolan writes it so beautifully. I'm going to quote this directly from his writings. In our society, so filled with curses, we must fill each other and fill each place we enter with our blessings. We forget so quickly that we are God's beloved children and allow the curses of our world to darken our hearts. Therefore, we have to be reminded of our belovedness and remind ourselves of the same. Friends, we walk in a world that has so much darkness. How can we choose intentionally to be blessings one to another? How can we not choose, maybe is the better question. Because if God so loved us, that he sent his son through Mary in this Christmas season, how can we stand there and only receive that blessing? The receiving is an invitation to give. And I don't mean by that to go and buy the most expensive gift and take the most expensive trips with those you love to show off what you have. That's not blessing in itself. Blessing is owning the privilege of reaching out and by words, by smiles, by hugs, by sincere questions of how someone is, not just, hey, how are you today, and walking on before you even hear the answer. Blessings are those notes, those texts, those emails, those cards. Blessings are those handmade gifts, those times of taking a walk in the chill air and being fully invested in conversation. Blessings are those sugar cookies and those sweet moments of silence. Blessings are knowing that because God loved us, we have the chance, the opportunity, the obligation, the privilege to bless others. And boy, do we see that in this passage and in this season. I want to close our time in this message with another direct quote from a pastor named James Lawrence. It perhaps more than anything spoke to me when I was researching and studying this segment of this Christmas story. 
let it be the same for you as it was for me this week. Pastor Lawrence says, we are blessed to be a blessing. We are loved to love. We are forgiven to forgive. That is our purpose. The purpose of all who know and believe that they are God's beloved. To return that love to God, to ourselves, and to each other. Friends, when we become the children of God, made possible with this first coming down of Jesus, not yet born, but almost here, we receive not just a gift for ourselves. We receive the opportunity, the mandate to give. For if we are to live as God wants us to live, then we have the opportunity to love, to forgive, to share, to uplift, to show hospitality, faith, and blessing. At the concert that I attended this last week, Michael W. Smith and Amy Grant, Michael shared one of the messages that he himself has lived with that so lights up his Christmas season. May this be a gift to you. He said, when God gives a gift, it is wrapped up in a person. When God gives a gift, it is wrapped up in a person. Look around you. God's gifts are sitting beside you right now. God's gifts are outside the walls of this church or wherever you are listening on YouTube or on the phone. And my friends, God's gift to us is soon to be wrapped up around a baby in a manger. Glory, glory, glory. Let's pray. the words, God, to find a way to live into this Christmas message are hard to grasp because they are so beyond our understanding. And yet we pray today and always that we may live into the hospitality, the faith, and the blessing shown by Elizabeth and Mary in this passage and made possible by you. Let us never, ever forget in your name. Amen. amen. We will now have communion. <laughs>